Whiskey, whiskey. Welcome to episode 91 of The Whiskey Topic. I'm Mark Bylock, the author of The Whiskey Cabinet, and uh, Jamie Johnson is on assignment, um, probably selling Belvini products somewhere. We do, however, have a guest on today. We have our returning guest, Eric Burke from bourbonguy.com. Uh, Eric's been on episode 55 previously, where he talked about his March Madness brackets, which we will be getting into this podcast, and also on episode 71, where we talked about uh, Kentucky and uh, Bourbon Week. Uh, Eric, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Now, Eric, I like, I like having you on because we, hey, people, people love you. Like you're always, you're always a, a favorite of our of our audience. But also, you bring us down to the affordable bourbon category. I feel like Jamie and I talk a lot, lot, lot talk a lot about Brooker's Rye and you know Pappies and these rare whiskeys and scotches sure. that uh, that are uh, you know that are hardly available. Um, but your blog, bourbonguy.com, um, you know, for one thing, I think it's an excellent blog because you talk about whiskey in an approachable way, but it's a bit of also a bit of a life journey as well. And then every March you do the March Madness brackets because you really hate basketball, I believe is what you told us. That's, that's, that's exactly it. Yes. I, uh, I am in a, whether it's a aficionado is the right word or not, I, I'm, I'm a fan of of inexpensive bourbon, partly because I live on a freelancer salary, and uh, partly because I just don't really think that you need to spend a lot of money a lot of times to get something that'll provide enjoyment. Um, so I'm frugal. That's a good way of putting ah, it. Ah, frugal. frugal. Yes, yes. Not 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 cheap. Frugal. <laughs> um, and uh, so yeah, and and every 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 March just to kind of. Because everybody else in their offices, they have pools, you know, here in the states where they, they will go and you know a little little bit of illicit gambling goes on to see see who will get uh, you know get their brackets right. I, I work from home, so I can't really do that, and I don't really like basketball anyway because I find it boring. So I, I turn my attention to to bourbon and, as I as I often do, and I went and uh, oh, I think this is the fourth year running now. I decided to uh, to just put some things head to head, see if I can't find something that's uh, that's a diamond in the rough out there. Yeah, you know, being being from Canada, we I, I don't, don't get me wrong. A lot of my Canadian friends uh, uh, friends do love March Madness, and you know, my Facebook is likewise filled with uh, scores and, and and all this and 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 that. But I, I personally, you know, have never really gotten into March Madness. Um, also, not a big basketball fan, so. I don't watch a lot of sports, period, so that's not really saying much. Sure. Um, however, um, so uh, let us uh, run us through uh, your requirements this year for what made it into your bottom shelf bourbon brackets. Because every year you pick eight bourbons, uh, eight whiskeys. Yep. Um, and uh, what kind of what what made the list this year? Well, let's just go over a couple of uh, qualifications to get them there first. Um, it is bourbon, so it's got to be straight bourbon. Um, which really only means two years old, but I figure if they're not going to call it on the, out on the label, then uh, I'm not going to bother to uh, to include them. Um, so it, it has to be listed as straight bourbon. It has to be uh, under. It started out at twenty dollars for a liter. Um, so for I did the math. It's uh, <laughs> amazing. So I did, I did. I did the math on that. That works out to like two cents a milliliter. So I expanded that because that will allow me to to have access to a greater range of, of bourbons. Um, so that's like $35 for a 1.75 liter bottle or $15 for a 750. And, uh, so that's, that's the, that's, those are the main two qualifiers. Um, if it meets both of those, then I, I get, I, I consider it. Um, and of course every year it's always a scramble towards the end to go, okay, am I actually going to be able to find enough that fit under here that I haven't done before? Um, Ordinarily, I get around that by saying, well, let's bring back the winners from last year, see how they do again. Mm-hmm. But this year, one of the winners was apparently is now being hoarded, um, which I find odd that anybody would hoard a you know $16 per liter um, bourbon. But it's, I mean, it, it's it's good, don't get me wrong, but it's it's not hoarding worthy. What, what's, um, being, uh, what's being hoarded? Very old Barton, uh, oh. 86 proof. It's 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 fine whiskey. It, it tastes good, but it's it's not like you know something outrageous where you would go and have it, uh, you know, buy two three cases at a time as as the the one store that I was going to get it from reported that they were having happen. <laughs> oh my god! Um, I know, right? And 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 then the 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 other the other one that would have been from two years ago actually priced themselves out of uh, 
out of qualification, which was a mixed blessing on my part because I had to go find another one. But at the same time, it got upset in the first round last year. So I wasn't all that unhappy to not have it show up again um, just because I, I didn't really want to have to drink the rest of that bottle. Um, <laughs> so, so, so this year, um, well, I should say last year we had a, a new um, large um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, a new, a new retailer. It's a chain retailer throughout many States in the U S uh, enter the market and they have a tendency to, well, let's just put it this way. They, 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 they kind of cut things that are national brands down to just the bare minimum they can, they can sell it for. So, I mean, they're making pennies on a bottle, right. um, just to get you in there. And then they mark up, of course, all their, all their stuff. Um, but, uh, what that's what that's done is is kind of throw everybody in in the uh, in the area kind of topsy turvy as far as prices go, which it brings down some prices, it raises some prices. You get some more special um, releases um, or, or 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 private picks, things like that, that kind of make their way to shelves to try to differentiate. But in this case, um, they were really the source for I would say probably seven of the ten this year, just because. No one else really had anything that was not super bottom shelf. Like, like I had a, a guy on here tell me um, one of the comments say, "Wow, that's a pretty elevated bottom shelf." And this year, and I was like, "Well, <laughs> prices just worked out right." So I'm not going to say if I have the choice of, of buying, you know, a, a couple of bottles of good whiskey that 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 you know that I'm going to have compete or have to have a couple of them that are going to get knocked out in the first round that I'm stuck with a handle of. I don't really, I mean, I'm, I'm still a person who likes whiskey. I'm going to make the, the choice that's a little bit better for, for my palate, um, if at all possible. I'm, so, I'm laughing at this. You've already gotten criticism. Your, uh, your bottom shelf whiskey bracket was a little too elevated. A little uh, too elevated. A little too year, elevated. Yeah. Um, but that, that's a good point. You, th- these are purchases based on where you live, what what do you have available to exactly. you. When you say, you know, when you put a price limit on it, it's it's where you are. So, for example, where I am in Canada, nothing costs below twenty five dollars. Uh, so, right. for seven hundred milliliters. So, like, there's there's no, you know, like the, this this will change from geography to geography or based on oh for sure availability for sure. Um, now, you do do you do all the tastings? Uh, Robin also helps you out, right? It's, it's you and Robin, Correct. right? Yeah. That that. Yep. You, you both taste my wife and I both. Blind. Yeah, exactly. My wife and I both do the tastings blind. We um, we sit down and and you know because these are spaced out over four weeks, we'll probably do a Saturday and a Sunday um, for the upcoming weeks matchups. Um, and we'll sit down and we'll each pour ourselves. Well, not pour ourselves. That that's that's actually would be would be just the opposite of what we're doing. Um, she'll leave the room. I'll I'll pour a. Uh, two unlabeled things that happen to be sitting on a sheet of paper that say one and two. Um, <laughs> she will come in as I leave the room and swap them or not to an A and a B. So right. she knows what, what A is and B is. I know what one and two is. Right. So neither right. one of us have all of the information. Um, sometimes you can't help it. There's color issues where where one is noticeably lighter than the other and you go, well, all right, I kind of know what this is. But for the most part, we try to keep it as, as, as honest as possible. And, uh, and so, yeah, that, that's kind of how it sets up. We, we, we sit down, we, we do, uh, do them together. We compare notes. We both get a vote. Um, this year, I don't think there were any that we disagreed on. Um, ordinarily the, the tiebreaker is, well, I'm the one writing it, so I'm going <laughs> to choose what I want. But, um, in this case, I, they're pretty much all consensus picks, um, if I remember correctly. So, wow. so yeah, I mean, it, it was, and it was interesting too, because there were some surprises in there that I wasn't expecting. Now you were, you were mentioning, but before uh, we started recording that you were, uh, you've, you're also noticing your palate because you've been doing this for four years, as you said, you're noticing your palate mm-hmm. change over the years, kind of your preferences change over the years. Um, cause you don't, you don't score whiskey. Yeah. You've been writing for a long time about whiskey, but you, you basically look at whiskey and you review it based on what you like. And that, that's, that's as far as you go. And you, but you've noticed, you've noticed your palate change, uh, over the years. For sure. Yeah. It's, uh, it's 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 weird. I I've gone on record um, numerous times. If you look back at some of my older articles, saying that if it says the words Jim Beam on there, I probably won't like it. Um, and I, that's not an uncommon um, statement to make, as far as I've heard from people who are, are writing about whiskey. Um, 
but for me it's just it's just there was this this strange peanut flavor that just wasn't meshing with me right yeah. it, it just it wasn't that it was bad it's just that i didn't prefer it so if given the option of anything else i would take it sure jim beam is known for being very nutty it's it's the, the nuttiness right. comes out the more uh, lower down to tears you go as far as the, the products mm-hmm. as well um and that's a known profile so you don't you don't like that particular you did not like that particular profile that was that was that was exactly it i just didn't care for that particular flavor profile not that there was anything wrong with it and people who love it they love it and that's fine that's great that's it. That means there's more for all of us, right? If, they, mm-hmm. if somebody else likes something that I don't like and I like something they don't like, then we're not competing for it. So it works out just fine. And now, like this year, because four of the of the eight uh, were Jim Beam products, I, I've exposed myself to a lot more Jim Beam products um, lately. And between that and, and another article um, that, that I have upcoming, I just found myself with a whole lot of Jim Beam products in my house. And... I started, you know, having them because they're around and got to have something open. And, and I found that, that so far my, I, I won't, I don't want to say, go so far to say that, that I'm like a great big Jim Beam fan, but I definitely don't dislike it as much as I used to. And once these bottles are gone, I'll be able to tell you for sure one way or the other, whether or not I like it. But because I always think of, of, of liking something as if you've got six things on your shelf and you're consistently reaching around one to get to a different one, you probably don't like that first one. Um, right. And in the past, that's been my problem with, with Jim Beam is that it's been on the shelf, but I've reached around and, and grabbed something else behind it. Um, but I found myself actually reaching for it on occasion now. Um, and, and that's including like ones that there, there are, there are certain ones that have come out like, like the Jim Beam double Oak that I actually quite like. Um, it was one of the, in fact, I think my review of it, I said, this is the first Jim Beam product, the, the first product with Jim Beam on the label that I liked, um, which was a strong statement, especially considering it got beat out in the first round of, of the bracket by, by something that's been out for quite a while that while I've never reviewed it, it was because I never really wanted to buy it again. Um, and that was the devil's cut. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I was a little shocked by that. I, I, I literally didn't know how to take those results I, I i looked at it and went there's no way i like one and i don't and i don't like the other but that's the one that won and so it got me to thinking how has my palette changed over the years is it is it something where because i'll go back and check ones that i really liked and and see do i still like that as much as i used to has the quality gone up gone down and and i'll do that oftentimes but i very seldom have gone back and said yeah i didn't really like that one let's go buy it again and see if i want it some more um but I might have to start doing that because it's really it's really interesting how over time you can either grow accustomed to certain flavor profiles or maybe you're, you're in a different spot, you know, in your life. Maybe the things you're eating now um, that, that kind of affect your tastes have, have evolved. Um, and, and going back and checking on some of those things that you've had in the past, whether you liked them or didn't like them, is, is, is an exercise that's really, really interesting. Now, with, 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 if, if you're doing like I did and, and, and going back to Jim Beam, good news there, almost everything's available in 50 mil bottles, so you can try it and see um, without spending too much money. But, uh, you know, other times, you know, it's, it's worth just going back and, and, and taking another look at it. You know, with, whether you're in a bar or, you know, at a friend's house or whatever, take a pour of something that, that you thought of in the past as something that wasn't necessarily quite to your palate. I mean, if it's bad, it's bad. That's one thing. But I mean, if it's just like, it's perfectly okay. It's just the flavor profile isn't my favorite. Give it another shot. See what it's like. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting because, you know, uh, we, we know that, you know, uh, tasting whiskey and food or wine, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's the, the kind of inherited bias of like, how much did I pay for this? Uh, you right. know, how much value do other people place on this product? Um, and then there's the, and then there's the return value where you had it once and you may have had it once in a loud party and you didn't, 
you know, you're just like, oh, this is fine. Um, so the second time you have it, even if you have it in a quieter room, you don't give it a chance. And I, I like, I love, you know, we talk about it in the podcast all the time, but doing blind tastings is so valuable because, you know, you may know, you know, Jim Beam's Devil Cut, Devil's Cut's going to be in there somewhere, but you don't necessarily know which one it is or where. And right. it just makes you exactly. think about what you're tasting more and it challenges your palate to, to really come out with what you want um, or what you're tasting there. And so something that you, it's easy to disregard, even if you know what it is and you're pouring it off your shelf and then you're having it blind, you're seeing, oh, wow, I'm getting, and I mean, Devil's Cut's a great example of something that um, I certainly really easily disregarded as like, oh, it's Devil's Cut, whatever. Like, it doesn't seem like uh-huh. it's a whiskey for me, quote unquote. Um, and because uh, it doesn't sound like a whiskey enthusiast whiskey. Um, right. But they do, uh, I, I mean, it, the, the story behind Devil's Cut is they um, they basically use, uh, oh man, I don't know all the, the, the full story, but uh, it's, it's Jim Beam White Label aged a little bit longer, but they take the la- the last of what's in the barrels. They basically shake the barrels out, put a little bit of water in there and shake them out to get get the last of the alcohol that's soaked in the oak. And they use that to water down or to cut right, yeah. the, the devil's cut down to, to the proof level they sell it at. Um, that's how I understand it as well. Yeah. And so it's, it's one of those things where I'm like, Oh, you know, it seems a little gimmicky, what, what have you, but by doing that, they get a lot of Oak spice and they get tons and tons of, uh, spicy notes on that. And, uh, for, for a bourbon, that's not high on rye. It, it, provides a nice nice profile um it's funny though you go to you go to buffalo trace distillery and and they make it sound like they do that with all their whiskeys so it's one of those things i remember i was doing a tour with buffalo trace and they're like and here's where we uh we shake the you know we shake the barrels out to get the last bits of drops of alcohol yeah yeah, exactly yeah (laughs) but uh but you know i mean it's one of those things where uh where jim beams made a product around this very specific and it's it's a really Mm -hmm. great product and it's uh very much affordable um in your area, it's not that affordable. Mine, mine's a forty dollar whiskey, but uh, oh wow, yeah, that would definitely change the opinion of it. That's for <laughs> sure because because one of the things that I like to like to tell people uh, when I review things because you know I, I get I, I'm just like everybody else. I buy things that that are that are you know expensive. You know, yeah. When I get the opportunity, so it's and, a, it's and a thirty it. it's a thirty dollar whiskey here. Sorry, not forty thirty dollar whiskey. Okay, yeah. well that's that's a little better. Yeah, that's a little better. Um, but I always tell somebody that. Uh, Yes, I like this, but I don't necessarily think I'll buy it again because of the price. Or, or I like it, and if I, and if somebody else had paid for it, I would take it in a heartbeat. But you know, prices is, is is a very big component um, in in whether or not I I personally feel like I can recommend things sometimes because I don't believe that most of my readers and and this kind of bears off with the people that I have commenting um, are, are are necessarily all the the type of people who are out there with where money is no object, you know, mm-hmm. um, even if money is an object, um, it, 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 even if money were no object, they still, they still like to get a good bargain if nothing else. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I'm constantly being told, you know, thank you for, for, you know, letting people know that you don't have to spend a fortune to, to get a good bourbon. And, you know, to me that, that seems kind of weird because bourbon was always the one that you didn't have to spend a fortune to get a really good really good whiskey. That's how I got into bourbon is because it was much more inexpensive. Um, as I, as I looked through the shelves, when I first started becoming interested in whiskey, the, the liquor store that I was going to, the one on the, the left-hand side was all, was all scotches and the right-hand side was American whiskey. And I wandered down the, the, the scotch aisle and said, Whew, I'm not going to be able to afford that. And I wandered around the store, came back to the, to the bourbon and picked up two or three bottles. Yeah. Um, so it's always funny when somebody says to me that that they can go ahead and uh, and and thank you for letting us you know letting us know that that you don't have to spend a lot to get a good bourbon. It's just like that's that's kind of that was always the appeal of bourbon. You know, it's you shouldn't have to be told that, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, and change. it's true. And with, with the popularity of bourbon, it's it's changed a lot. There's uh, exactly there's a lot more expensive. And as he said, there's there's whiskeys out there that are in that under twenty dollar market that are just becoming you know uh the them themselves are are getting uh overbought and and like well i mean mm-hmm. we, we live in a world where where a mellow corn has um has taken over the world and had briefly sold out in manhattan for a little while so this right. is this exactly. is like exceptional this, this is a weird times. time exceptional yeah, this times. Is a weird time <laughs> exactly <laughs> Um, so let's, um, so this is interesting. So you're, you're, you're saying you still taste the nutty notes in Jim Beam products, but now it's, it's, yeah. but now you're enjoying it. You have an appreciation for right. it today. Exactly. I, I've, I've found that, that, that I don't, 
it doesn't automatically turn me off of, of the whiskey. Gotcha. Now I look at it and, and I can, you know, as, as I've been doing some of these for this, this upcoming article that I'm doing, um, where I compare, you know, a lot of different Jim Beam products, I still am not a fan of say their white label. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's fine if I need a well whiskey and I'm mixing it with stuff that I really am not going to taste it. That's fine. Um, yeah. But it's not something that I'm going to want to sip on. Um, and there are a couple other products in the lineup that I still feel the same way about. Um, but other ones that, are, that you know, you kind of move up just a little bit. You know, you got your black, your your double oak, bonded, um, devil's cut, things like that. You, I've, I've definitely started to find an appreciation for that. It, well, how it's a, it's a, and I think some of it might just be in a weird way novelty, which sounds kind of weird for a, uh, a product that is so ubiquitous as Jim Beam, but because I've avoided it for so long, the, the, it's to my palate, it's like almost like something new in a weird way. Um, because everything that I drink, it feels like sometimes is either Wild Turkey, Heaven Hill, or Buffalo Trace, you know, one of those three distilleries. So having something else that has a different flavor profile that's still good whiskey is on some level almost a novelty is kind of part of the appeal, I think. Yeah, I mean, but, Jim Beam is, the, is some you know the number one selling bourbon in the world. Jim Beam White Label. Exactly. It's it's probably not sold for whiskey enthusiasts to sip straight. Mm-hmm. It's certainly uh, you know meant more as a as a cocktail drink. Um, but it's funny the way we we look at Wild Turkey a little bit differently. We look at um, you know uh, Buffalo Trace a little bit differently. But all these distillers are, are gigantic. They're all market right. leaders in, in their segments. Yep. Um, so uh, well, I mean, we were talking a lot about Jim Beam primarily because four of the eight you've you've uh, had on your rackets. Uh, this uh, this year were Jim Beam products. Exactly, it was it was it was a very strange thing to walk in um, to, to Total Wine and and see four different kinds of Jim Beam that were exactly nineteen ninety nine for a one liter bottle. And I was <laughs> I was looking at that going, well, I would like more variation, but that's almost too good a story to pass up on some level. Just to just to see out of these four. Which one, which one, if one of them will win? Um, and if so, how are they different? How is they, how, you know, and I, and I got to thinking about it and I went, you know, what, I'm going to pull the trigger. I'm going to grab all four of them and, and include them. And then, you know, I only have to find four more to go around them as well. Yeah. So that, that also helped. But, uh, but it was, it was very interesting to, to, to walk in and see that because even if, I mean, even other stores have them at different price points, but for some reason, you know, as they're trying to, to get as many people in there on their on their basically Walmart model of, of selling spirits, um, they uh, they just happen to be right one penny under the cutoff, and I was like, that, that's just <laughs> too close. I got to do that. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, are you ready to go through the brackets? I will. We'll go through them one at a time, yeah. pretty quickly. But if you can kind of give us a wrap up of each bracket, so uh, you know, yeah. it was eight whiskeys, two divisions. Uh, it was straight on head to head tasting. Um, yep. I noticed you had ranked uh, the whiskeys in each division from one to four. That way, you've got the first place against the fourth place. Um, you got how, it. Yeah. How, how did you do the rankings? What was, what decided first and fourth and third and second? Like, how did that work? Sure. Sure. Basically, if you have an age statement on there um, with American whiskey, you have to have um, an age. You have to have an age statement if it's under four years old. Um, so if you have an age statement when it's over that, it's either really good. It, it's really good, right? They're, they're, you're trying to market that. Right. Um, so, but it also puts limitations on you because that's the youngest whiskey that can be in there. So I want to reward that. So that's a, a stated age is always either the thing that's going to bump you up. Or take you down because if it's if it's you know says 24 months on there well then guess what you're going to be docked for putting out a two-year-old whiskey but if it says six years old cool you get to go up so stated age is the first consideration after that it becomes proof because i've found that higher proof has has a tendency to either mask flaws that that a lower proof has or just give you a better concentration of flavors and it just comes right down to it i just prefer it that way yeah so so that's kind of kind of the second one um so so how I went to is there was one age-stated whiskey in the uh, in the competition, and that was Heaven Hill, um, six-year-old bottled and bond. Now that one, it's kind of a cheater because that's not available here in Minnesota. That's available very few places outside of Kentucky, but I had it on hand. It's one of my favorite uh, value bourbons, and on some level, I was like, do I do I include this because I really like it, and and, and is that going to color? things or is it just going to confirm that uh, you like it for a reason eric so 
at the end of the day, I decided to include that. So that was the num- oh, number one overall seed. So um, I, I like this- that. So you're basically you're you're going purely based on stats, uh, which has the yeah. most age statement, which has a higher proof, like statistically coming, you know, what you can see in the bottle, what looks the best. And that was yep. your number one seed. So Heaven Hill, Bottle and Bond. Uh, as you said, it's primarily available only in Kentucky. There's a few other markets it sells in. Um, a really, really fantastic product. I mean, we talk about Bottle and it Bond really all the time. Generally, that's a good code word for good whiskey uh, in, in general. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Heaven Hill certainly releases a great one. So your your Division One first seed was uh, Heaven Hill, Bottle and Bond against your fourth seed. Uh, and I don't know anything about this bourbon, uh, Kentucky Tavern. <laughs> yeah, that this was this was sort of a uh, unfair matchup for Kentucky Tavern because there's absolutely nothing wrong with Kentucky Tavern other than the fact that it's three years old, it's eighty proof, it's you know it's it's a it's a I think fifteen dollar handle, so one point seven five liters for for fifteen dollars. It's put out by Buffalo Trace, and uh, it's it's one of those bourbons that you would probably. If you were doing a, a, a blind tasting of, of people who are new to new to bourbon uh, or new to whiskey, even that might actually be the one chosen overall mm-hmm. uh, over other ones because it's it's completely non complicated. Um, it's got light, sweet grain flavors. Um, you know, uh, basically the exact opposite of what a whiskey aficionado would like. But <laughs> when you're new. It's the it's the sort of thing that that I found when I do tastings with people who are new, new to whiskey. They tend to gravitate towards those flavors just because they can kind of they can kind of grasp what's going on with it. It's it's you know they're not being you know scared away by higher proof. They're not necessarily having like wood tannins like oh what's what's this? I, I wanted I was hoping for something sweet you know. Um, so it, it it's not scary right um, right. But it's completely not a not a uh, <laughs> a fair fair competition um but based solely on stats that's where it uh, that's where it ended up um is is against heaven hill bottle and bond six-year-old so this was uh heaven hill uh versus buffalo trace distillery essentially uh but because it's kind of like buffalo right. traces super entry level uh bourbon oh, yeah. um yeah. and and so no spoilers here but well there's spoilers but anyway heaven hill easily yeah. won is what you're saying yeah heaven hill easily won i mean it I, I'm actually considering next year opening up the judging to to more than just my wife and myself, and maybe bring in somebody who who doesn't know anything about about bourbon and you know has only had it you know as a in college when they were doing shots or something. And because I have you know I have friends like that, and just bring one of them in and just just get their opinion and and see how different it is than than a couple of people who have been drinking bourbon and tasting bourbon for quite some time now. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. So we'll move in uh, to the next uh, next round, and this is the uh, this is there's two brands that have Jim Beam products specifically. This is the first one of those. Right. It is uh, Jim Beam Bonded versus Jim Beam Black. Now, Jim Beam Bonded is the bottle and bond. Uh, that's the bottle and bond. Uh, yeah, it's hundred proof, um, no age statement. So you're guessing four years old, um, but it could be older. But since they didn't tell us, I went off of a four year. The essentially, it's like if you don't tell me, I'm going to assume it's four. So that was uh, that because of proof that got the number two seed in that division. It went up against Jim Beam Black, which, although it claims to be extra aged, at one point it was it had an eight year age statement. But there's no age statement on there right now, so I had to go only solely on on proof. It's only 86 proof, so it got the number three seed. Um, this is one of those that I definitely had a lot of people um, come back to me and just say. With, with like one word responses on Twitter that just said wrong. And I was <laughs> like, thanks, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> so Jim Beam Bonded won uh, this one, Jim but Bean you're bonded. saying a lot of people were like, no, black is way better than bonded is what you're saying. Right. Yeah, that's what people are telling me. But you know, to be honest, I I would love to see what those people would do in a blind taste um, because I went into it assuming that there would be an upset here. Yeah. Um, I really did think that, that the black, because it is one that, you know, used to be uh, a highly aged whiskey. It was eight years old. Um, now it's, I mean, it's probably still in the six to eight range, you know, somewhere in there, but they took it off so they could not be tied to that number. Um, but I really kind of expected that it would be, you know, be the winner of, of that. Well, In this Jim case, Beam, it wasn't. I, 
yeah, Jim Beam Black is the. I, I love making quote. Unquote, I like making uh, uh, a little fun at this uh, particular labeling because Jim Beam Black was the one that was originally was Jim Beam uh, Double Black. It was it double aged or what have you because it was aged twice as long right. as uh, the white label, which is aged for four years. Right. And then it was Jim Beam Black Triple Aged because the minimum age statement is two years and they aged it for six years. So they called the triple age because they aged it for six years, three times the minimum requirement for, for straight bourbon. Um, mm-hmm. And now it's Jim Beam Black Extra Aged. Extra Aged. We don't know which, how much I mean, extra. How, I, I yeah, think, exactly. I think, how uh, long is extra? Is that yeah. like a day, two days? Come on now. I, yeah, I think exactly. I think there's uh, somebody's on record of saying that it's it's aged for still around you know six years, but there's some younger stuff right. that goes in there. Um, right. So they can't you know you can only put an age statement in for the youngest uh, whiskey in the barrel. Exactly. Hey, you know we know climates have changed. We know it's a little warmer. We know Kentucky's a little warmer right. now than it was 20 years ago, and so right exactly. You know you don't so, need I mean, it things might have years. changed. Um, but in the same regard, uh, because it's because it is in this twenty dollar price point, uh, you don't have a lot of you know whiskey critics going in and really delving down what's better the eight, the six, or the or the extra aged right. one. But I love the story from double aged for eight years, triple aged six years to extra aged. <laughs> No age statement. Um, exactly. Of, of all the gyms, all the stuff Jim Beam uh, sometimes gets crap for unfairly, this is one of those things they didn't <laughs> – I don't know how they snuck this one under the radar is all I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, every, every time they change the label, the, the, the descriptor for the, uh, for the age ch- um, changes. So – and this is interesting because um, black is is definitely more oaked. It's a darker whiskey. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's a darker bourbon, um, a little a little uh, more heavily oaked. And Jim Beam Bonded is a lighter whiskey. I've never had these two side by side. So, but I am interested. Right. Like, what did you find con- uh, contrasting wise? Well, um, give me just a second. I'm going to pull up the website quick because I don't remember. So, <laughs> well, pr- uh, and proof so- level certainly is a big difference here because you're looking at 100 percent proof. Yeah. So, the what I what I found to be you know similar. Obviously, they still have that that same beam like peanut notes, uh, the the nutty notes that 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 are there. In my tasting, I found, and this is what surprised me. I found that that the that the black actually was more grain forward than the bonded in this huh. case. Um, I really, as I was writing the notes, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, well, I know which one is which. You know, I, I can see. One, one, I'm saying that there's cinnamon and oak, and, and I got some cocoa notes on the finish. Ah, I know which one that is, right? Come yeah. on now. And then right. the other one, I'm like, this is light. It, it's light. It's got some grain notes. Totally got this one. We did the reveal, and my jaw dropped. I was like, there's no way. What? Oh, no. interesting. I, I actually went and poured a second Glencairn of each to compare to the ones that that are just to make sure that nothing got switched somewhere because it was like there's there's no way that's that's completely the opposite of how it's supposed to be, and no, it was right on. You know, there was there was more grain forward on on the black, and 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 the bonded was 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 a little richer in in, in this sitting, and you know another sitting, it's entirely possible it might have been something different. Um, because for these first rounds, we just did the one, one and done sort of tasting. Um, right. Later rounds, I, I did go back and do a best two out of three because I actually had another upset that that I didn't trust. I was like, "There's, I think my palate's off today. There's something weird because I don't trust that this is going to happen." And and so I decided to implement a best two out of three on that because I was like, "You know what? Actually, that's not a bad idea. Let's go ahead and do that." Um, but for the initial rounds, it was just one and done. And you know, on on that day. Bonded was the better one. I yeah, I you know I kind of see that. I think uh, bonded is is probably uh, the it, it would taste especially from like a, an enthusiast palate. It'll it'll taste a little bit more complex, give you a little bit more of that flavor you're looking for. Um, whereas black is is well, I'm surprised at the way you described it, right? Because it, it's it's generally intended to be a bolder uh, flavor. Right. But but we always say you know bonded is a little bit higher proof, uh, and if exactly. it's all been bond, its chances are the distillery is. Uh, is is using is has that uh, on the label to go after the whiskey enthusiast and they don't like to disappoint. Right. Uh, so that's uh, Jimmy Baldwin Bond. I mean, that that's just kind of comes and go through goes through Ontario occasionally. I think it's only been here sure. the first time last last few months. So I uh, know it's a, it's a great product, excellent price point. Jeez. Um, yeah, no kidding. And 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 I really do think that proof in, in this case is uh, is kind of a driver of yeah. of of things because because the the higher proof one. I mean that that's just one uh, out of the two, and there, it's entirely possible that that with the higher proof, more concentrated flavors, that that's 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 what's causing it. Because that 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 grain note 
is not something that I normally find in black, but because I'm doing them side by side, I get the, the okay, how does this one compare to that sort of, sort of uh, dynamic going on? And so I think that, that one brings out the, uh, the, the, the notes in the other on, on some level. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. You, you water down a whiskey. Now, it depends on your palate. I mean, I think if you're if you're a big whiskey drinker or drinker, or regular whiskey drinker, you generally tend to have want to have higher proof whiskey. Um, if you're starting out, you you might have the exact opposite. You might look at Jimmy exactly. Black and yep. be like, "Wow, this is so bold and flavorful," and then Bald and Bond mm-hmm. might be just a little too much, too intense. But if you generally drink a lot of bourbon, you're, you're probably going to, your palate suggested like, just like it does to spice or any other flavors. Um, it's, it's adjusted enough where, uh, yeah, you're right. Side by side, just less watered down, Balm and Bond being less watered down. It's, it's going to give mm-hmm. you more flavor. Um, so it was Jim Beam, Bald and Bond, or I guess Jim Beam bonded against Heaven Hill, yep. Bottle and Bond, uh, same yep. proof level, but the Heaven Hill is, we assume aged longer, um, how did this, right. this is, yeah. this is, would be the division one winner. So how did, how did this round turn out? Well, Heaven Hill won. And, and honestly, Heaven Hill being one of my favorite bourbons, this is the one where the initial upset made me stop and wonder about what was going on that I was referencing earlier. Um, I went and, and I tasted it, Robin tasted it and we, we came to a split decision. Um, I thought that, that what turned out to be bonded was, was better. And she was telling me that, that she liked them both, but she was leaning towards the one that turned out to be Heaven Hill. Mm-hmm. And I was I was shocked. I was like, wait, no, my, this is my favorite value bourbon. Um, there's no way that it just lost. And and so I, I got to I got to thinking. I was like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna put things on pause for today. We'll mm-hmm. come back to it another day. And 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 that's when I decided I was gonna start doing the best two out of three because th- that way it, it kind of corrects for for an off day. Yeah. Um, and and so I came back and I tried it again on a different day, and that time, for both of us, Heaven Hill Bottle and Bond won. So I was like, okay, well now we have a tie because I really only counted my votes in this this time around. <laughs> right. But uh, um, I was like, okay, now we got a tie. So what what am I going to do next? And and that's that's when I, I had this this interesting idea that okay, none of these bourbons are ones that you normally are going to sit down and drink out of a Glencairn glass. They're not, you're not really intended to be, you know, drank out, out of, out of a tasting glass. Um, they're, they're definitely more, uh, marketed towards, towards people who, who probably wouldn't even know how to drink out of that necessarily. Yeah. Um, or would wonder why, why that thing is hitting their nose. Um, but so I, I, and that's not how I normally, when, when I'm just consuming whiskey, I don't consume it out of a Glencairn glass necessarily because I'm afraid I'm going to break it. And, and even <laughs> though I, I have a bunch of them, it's just, I, I'd rather not chance it. Yeah. Um, so I normally drink mine out of a rocks glass, you know. Um, and you know, I have some fun old ones. Like right now, today, I'm, I'm having my uh, my podcast libation in a uh, antique old Taylor glass from the from the '60s. Um, oh, very so cool. I, I see these things. You no, know, yeah, with I, Jamie, with not on with not on the podcast, I didn't even ask you what you're drinking for the podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for bringing well, that up, Eric. <laughs> Since I knew we were going to be talking about uh, affordable bourbons, I went with 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 one of my favorites. Not, it's not quite as affordable as the ones that would fit into this particular uh, this particular contest, but uh, it's it's just Maker's Mark, and yeah. that's probably one of my favorite um, accessible weeded bourbons. Um, obviously, we all talk about Wellers and stuff like that, and you know, obviously up to Pappies and stuff like that. But you know, there's, Maker's Mark is just always good. So that's that's. That's one that I decided on today because it's it's affordable, it's there, and it's 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 almost it's it's always good. So, Maker's Mark is another one that you can kind of have out of, out of a Glencare glass. You can have out of a uh, mm-hmm. um, rocks glass. You can have it out of a paper cup. You can have it out of a right uh, solo exactly. cup, and it, it just basically tastes great no matter what. It is the yeah, most exactly. versatile whiskey I've ever tasted. I really like. I, I love pouring it in the summertime, uh, in mm-hmm. when you have just the solo cups because I'm like it's it's going to taste great. Like I'm going to enjoy this in the hot weather on a solo cup. Whereas like a rye in a hot, in hot weather just breaks apart. I don't like sure. warm rye when the sun's beating down, but, uh, uh, but I guess maker's mark not having any rye in the, in the mash is just, uh, just tastes so great. Exactly. Exactly. So, so that's what I went and, uh, and, and I decided to do my, my, um, my tiebreaker that way nice. um, and see, and see, you know what, this is how I would normally consume it. And since that's kind of how these are intended to be consumed on some level, let, let's let's see what that one does. And once again, that time 
Heaven Hill Bottle and Bond won again. So that became that became the the representative for the championship round from Division One. Um, but it was a lot closer than I expected it to be. And and before this, I would have never. I mean, if you would come up to me and and said to me like even two months ago and said, Eric, okay, a Jim Beam product is possibly going to knock off your favorite i would have laughed at you in the face yeah and said there's just no way yeah. um, i don't like jim beam why would you say that um but now you know with the with with the going back and re-exploring things it's it's a very interesting sort of sort of thing I'm, I'm definitely going to be be doing this with more and more um things that i i just never thought uh, you know were, were ones that fit me necessarily yeah and that's a good life. it's a good uh it's a good tip um, if you, the Heaven Hill bonded, uh, the Jim Beam bonded, uh, these are, uh, great products to have. Um, they're affordable. They're intended for whiskey enthusiasts. Um, they may, you know, they're, they may not, you know, beat your, your $50 bourbon, uh, or right. $60 bourbon, but, uh, as like a daily drinker, um, mm-hmm. they, they fit that palette and the profile so perfectly right there. Um, and that's a great takeaway. And I, I love to hear how, you know, like you have a favorite and how you had to battle between these two as to which one would be the ultimate winner between this two. So these were, this was so Heaven Hill, Ball and Bond was the division uh, one winner that went to the uh, Fancy Shelf Championship. I love the, I uh, love the naming you have there. <laughs> that's amazing. Love it. Love yeah, it. I, 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 I I, I always figured that if there's a bottom shelf, there probably should be a, a top shelf. But I didn't really want to use top shelf because none of these are ever going to actually be mistaken for top shelf whiskeys necessarily. But, you know, fancy shelf, that's yeah, a little different. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so going on the right side of the bracket, Division 2, um, the drink I'm drinking today is uh, Wild Turkey 101. And that was your top well, seed in Division 2. Um, wonderful product from Wild Turkey Distillery you know, 101, it means it's basically 101 proof. Um, yep. And that was your number one seed, and it went against another whiskey I don't know anything about, uh, Cabin Still. Cabin Still, yes. Yeah, Wild Turkey 101 got number one seed based solely on proof. It was it was one one proof point higher than the bonded whiskeys. So so it got it got number one seed. Cabin Still is put up today by Heaven Hill. It's, it's one that they don't market basically at all. Um, it is. It's not even on their website if you look up their brands. But uh, it's it's an old, venerable name. It was one of the the uh, the flagships of the Stitzelweller Distillery um, back when it was in production and under the uh, the the uh, overs- oversight of, uh, of of the famous Pappy Van Winkle. Um, and so it's got a long history. And and. You know, my stepfather saw it on my shelf one time, and he he was he's been a bartender forever. Um, and he walked in, oh, that's not bad. That's I said, have you have you had it lately? And and he's like, no. <laughs> and so yeah, but it's it's once again, it's not it's not a bad whiskey by any means. This is another one that that this is actually one that that in I talked about how I had I had had whiskeys like this in in tastings with with novices. This is the one that they were talking about um, where they would where I would put this in amongst other things like wild Turkey one Oh one. Cause I was, I think I was doing a presentation on, on, on aging and how things were, you know, a little more age, a little more proof would, would affect things. And, and Ke- cabin still was my, was my younger and, and lower proof example. Mm-hmm. And to my, much to my surprise, a lot of them were like, well, yeah, I like that one. And I was like, hmm, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So, but yeah, but so, I mean, this was a no-brainer in, in, in yeah. yeah, as far as comparing Wild Turkey 101 to Cabin Still, um, probably on proof level alone, yeah. as you said earlier, just the higher exactly. proof. Uh, Wild Turkey is also your the only, I think it's the only high rye uh, bourbon on the list here, correct? I think so. I believe you're correct. Yeah, because yeah, uh, Heaven Hill has a 75% corn, and then Wild right. Turkey is. Um, like seventy percent, give or take, and but it's right. a lot more ride because it does. They use less malted barley in that that mash bill. Um, right. So, oh, excellent. Okay, so that took care of uh, thing, and then and then you have division two. Your second uh, bracket there was uh, Jim Beam's Devil Cut, which we talked about a little bit briefly versus right. Jim Beam Double Oaked. Um, I have a theory about Double Oaked. I'm going to share this theory. I think I don't know. If, I don't think I've shared this Please theory do. on the podcast before. Um, so Double Oaked is the product that they've um, aged in barrels in new york barrels like they normally do with white la- with white label but then they o- age it a second time in brand new 
uh, barrel, so it's aged twice in brand new oak. My theory here is this is the Beam Centauri influence. Beam Centauri needs a lot of American oak to to age a lot of Japanese whiskey, uh, but they don't want brand new oak. They don't want they don't want oak that's been brand new because you know like just Scotch and Japanese whiskey generally do not use brand new oak because it just it will overpower the grain. Uh, it's not necessarily as well suited for the for the climate. So they want to they want to use reused barrels. They want the they want the kind of that initial color and flavor to be sucked out of those barrels. So when they put in um, malted barley, uh, in uh, malted barley whiskey into that barrel, they don't want to get as much color. They don't want to get as much overpowering of oak flavor. Uh, so my guess is uh, Beam Centauri is like, hey, if we age it, you know, the second time for a year or so, that will get rid of a lot of those heavy flavors. Keep them in bourbon where they're really appreciated, and we'll t- use them to age a lot of Japanese whiskey uh, in the Beam Centauri side on the Centauri side. That is my theory. It's completely unconfirmed, but uh, but I think oh, that's for sure. probably a, a reason why they do that. But also, on the other hand, it gives you a great product because it is a product that's been aged twice in yolk. It's darker color exactly. and, and, and flavor yep. and the whole bit. So, uh, uh, like, you know, the consumer definitely benefits. Um, and then we, this one against Devil's Cut, as mentioned, uh, that uses yep. the last of the booze stored in the barrel and uses that as flavor, but also brings in the spice from that oak kind of brings in a little bit more oak flavor through. Um, and it's not as dark or heavy of a drink. So it's like really devil's cut. You're right. looking at a lighter, spicier drink versus double oak, which is a heavier, more oak right. forward drink. Um, and uh, devil's cut one, which uh, surprises me. Uh, definitely surprises me. Yeah, it's- Surprised me as well. I thought this was going to be a very interesting um, matchup because it's two different ways that the same company is trying to get more oak flavor out of their white label. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I was like, okay, that's if nothing else, that's that's an interesting interesting experiment. See which one I like better, um, side by side. I love your idea about the uh, the the uh, the use of the barrels. That's 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 fascinating. I know I had a I had a commenter on on one of the sites who who basically tried to to argue with me that that what they're claiming is not the case. He's like, why would a company throw away a perfectly good new barrel when they're going to, uh, if, if, since it can only be used once? And I was, I was kind of taken aback, like, well, okay, yeah, I know that there's cynicism out there as to why <laughs> companies do things, but, but I mean, to blatantly tell, say that, that the largest whiskey maker in the United States is, uh, is well, bourbon maker, is, yeah. uh, is blatantly lying on, the, on their label. It seems, seems a, a tad, you know, far-fetched these companies make way too much money to risk (laughs) blatant label lies that's what it happened no way yeah like 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 little tweaks of the truth sure sure it's called marketing but but blatant lies ah come on now no um yeah and 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 besides that i mean my my thoughts were well but it's not really wasting the barrel because a used bourbon barrel is a commodity it's something that they can make almost as much money off of as they can't, because I, I've bought used bourbon barrels. In fact, I've bought bourbon barrels that were that were um, not only used for bourbon, but then were used for like uh, brandy and such afterwards. So I mean, it's these are the end of their life. There's there's nobody that can get anything else out of these. You and, you probably still paid more for that barrel that Jim Beam paid for yeah, brandy. Then Jim Beam did. Because exactly. I'm sure That's what I mean. if Jim Beam pays more than $100, $125 a barrel, I'd be surprised just at the volumes that they for buy. Sure. Um, exactly. And same with Buffalo Trace and Wild Turkey. So yep. you probably paid a few and hundred dollars for the, that used barrel. I, I paid $150 for the used barrel, and uh, which was fine for, for what I was using it for. I was going to make my money back. Yeah. But uh, the, uh, I mean, I went looking for other barrels after that. And even on the you know, brokers where, where you can find it because this particular one was, was kind of a guy who was a junk dealer who happened to buy a truckload of them um, in <laughs> South Dakota. And, and, but I decided, well, I'm going to actually look at real brokers and see what they're selling for. And even there, it was st- a, a new freshly dumped barrel was still $125, 150 Yeah. So right, right in the price range. And so I'm like, okay, if they pay a hundred dollars for that, they're probably still making a profit on here somewhere. Yeah. Or at least breaking even, so it's not a waste by any means. Plus, they, they like you said, they have a need for them um, in other forms of whiskey. So, I mean, that's just what they're, you know, charging a, basically a brewer who wants to put beer in there, or something like that. So that's amazing. No, that's very cool. Uh, yeah. So devils, uh, devils cut one. The uh, devils cut one. Yeah. And and this is back to the one and done. So you know, on on a different day, I was a little shocked by that myself because, like I said at the beginning of this, Double Oak was one of the very first ones that had Jim Beam on the label that I said, "Boy, I like that. That's a good one." And uh, it beat one that I just my wife has always liked it. She thought that she, she's always been a fan of Devil's Cut ever since it came out. 
but I was always, you know, it just didn't sit right with me, mostly because of the beam profile. Um, but on this day, Devil's Cut was the one that won. It Once again, I mean, I don't know how much proof had anything to do with it in this case. It's only four proof points, um, 86 to 90. But, you know, maybe it's just enough to, uh, to uh, you know, give it an edge or something. Yeah. Yeah, no, Devil's, Devil's Cut's definitely one of those where uh, I, I would never give it enough credit, and then I, t- and I would taste it blind. I'm like, okay, I, I get it. I, uh, I get why uh, this is a good whiskey. Um, and I've, I've, now I'm you know, so curious to try it against Double Oak and, and do a similar comparison, because it, like yeah. it does seem like a battle. I love your, uh, your, your thoughts on this, where you said it's a battle of how do you get more uh, oak aging out of the barrel, and there's two different mm-hmm. methods uh, squeeze the last few drops of it, or uh, or just put it in a brand new oak, uh, and the results right. are excellent. Uh, so no, that's that's really great, and that set up the um, uh, you know semifinal here, which is the or quarterfinal, I guess no semifinal, uh, which is uh, Devil's Cut against Wild Turkey 101. So uh, you've got your higher proof, high rye bourbon, Wild Turkey, uh, and 101 definitely a, a big fan favorite. Uh, good yeah. good re- fan recognition there. And then mm-hmm. Jim Beam's Devil's Cut, which, um, like I said, probably does not get the credit it deserves among whiskey enthusiasts. Right. Yeah. And 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 Wild Turkey 101 is the other one that I that I hesitated to put on there. Um, first off, the only time that it qualifies is the fact that that I did the math and figured out what a 1.75 liter would be because for some reason in this market right now I've got two or three different stores that are selling it for thirty dollars for a handle, um, but yet they're selling you know a, a a, what would it be? A, a, seven, a 750 is like 20 or mm-hmm. 25. And it's like, uh, for $5 more, I'll take, I'll take a whole extra liter. Thank you very much. Um, but so at that level, it, it, it fit in. It's also one that I keep on the shelf constantly because it's good to cook with. It's good to mix in a cocktail. It's good to, to, to drink out of a glass neat if I really wanted to. And oftentimes I do. Um, so it's very versatile. It's gonna it's gonna hit, be there no matter what. And I don't have to, to look at it. Oh, that's the last last of the little bottle there. I don't feel no. It, I don't have to feel bad about it because I'm just gonna be able to walk right back down to the store and, and get another uh, another handle if I really wanted to. Yeah, I um, know you make a great point. So, uh, Wild Turkey 101, like in the market in uh, in Ontario here, it's uh, it would be by far the more expensive drink. It's uh, it's thirty six dollars sure. uh, here for uh, seven hundred milliliters or seven fifty. Uh, versus like Devil's Couch is thirty one dollars. Um, sure. And uh, Jim Beam Black, we we don't have Heaven Hill, Bald and Bond. That's uh, way right. too uh, way too limited to to come here. Yeah, but, and, uh, and, I, and I, I don't have also it here either. But yeah, I travel so. to it. But we do have Jim Beam Bondage. Jim Beam Bondage is close at, at $33. So that kind of gives you an sure. idea of, of the price points here. And this will vary from market to market. I mean, companies know where they're going to price things. And I know, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Wild Turkey 101 probably wanted to come a little bit above Jim Beam in Ontario, but not not too far above Jim Beam. Um, right. You know, their uh, Wild Turkey regular being a, a 28 or so dollar release here. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and here, um, you know, here in the States, you... you, you it's not even necessarily on the on the distiller how much they're they're selling. I mean, they sell it for a certain price, but then the the distributor buys it and marks it up some, and then the store buys it and puts it at their at their retail price that sure. makes sense for them. Yeah. And so there are so many different variables depending on where you're at. You know, whether it's the taxes for each individual state, whether it's you know, there's just so many idea, uh, possibilities that that could be uh, at play. So for so yes, the, the prices are definitely. Eric Berkey went and bought this particular bottle for this price, <laughs> not uh, not necessarily representative of, of anywhere else. Right, right. No, that's that's fair. Uh, uh, and so this is going to be. I mean, I I think a lot of whiskey enthusiasts would probably pick this one. Know which one would win here? But uh, so Wild Turkey One Hundred One versus Devil's Cut. Uh, what what were your thoughts on that round? It was it was definitely the one the one hundred one. Um, definitely um, something that I I just. I don't know whether or not this came down to the fact that it's proof, it's just better, or if it's one of those where, guess what, I've grown accustomed to the taste of a Wild Turkey 101, it's always on my shelf, it's always on my shelf because I like it, and right. so since this is a reflection of my tastes, it, it makes perfect sense to me that that, that 101 won. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of words there that are spelled different that that sound the same. Um, but yeah, 101 is the winner. And, uh, you know, to me, it was it was it was warmer. 
um, ha- had a nicer finish. It was, I just, I just tell you what, the nose was nicer. It just everything about it. It, it was clear winner for us. Um, just both, uh, Robin and I both thought that this was consensus winner here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And that, that set up the finals, heaven Hill bottled and bond 50 proof six year old versus uh, wild Turkey one oh one, slightly higher proof, not bottled and bond. Um, but, um, and, uh, and, uh, no eight statement on that one. And that sent up the, the final round for the championship for the fancy shelf. Tell us a little bit about this battle. How did this go? All right. Well, um, obviously they're my two favorite value bourbons, right? So mm-hmm. I, I knew this was going to be, a, at least to me, a very interesting matchup. Which one do I like better? Is it, is it, and, and, you know, standard caveat, it's on that day or those days, I should say, since yeah. we did two out of three. Um, but it's, it, it basically came down to the fact that um, even blind, two out of three, is a tough choice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it it the the wild turkey though on all three blind tastings, one for both of us, and and I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it's because of the the in this case, which is weird when you say that Heaven Hill is six years old. You know, it's a hundred proof. It's got wonderful things going for it, but at the end of the day, there's something about that wild turkey that just it's still probably in the six to eight year range, according to, to, you know, people who seem to know have better contacts than me. Um, but it's reputed to be in that six to eight year range. Heaven Hill is still is in the you know same range. Proof is the same, but something about that wild turkey, whether it's the yeast, whether it's just slightly more tannic, it's a little bit more complex. I just love it personally. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's definitely one of those where if somebody walked up to me and disagreed with it, I would be like, you're absolutely correct. You're right. That is the better one, but for them. Um, and, and I would have no beef with that at all because honestly, these are both fantastic whiskeys. Um, and, but some, for some reason, wild turkey just, just won out. Um, and, and it's all, it's one of those things where even after the fact, like I would, I would love to go back again today even and, and have them side by side and go, okay, do I really still agree? Um, because it was that close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like every single time we 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 leaned toward the one that turned out to be wild turkey, and it was it was a little shocking on some level because with as close as some of the like like the 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 beam bonded and heaven hill bonded um, were, I really expected this one to be you know have a little bit of a you know back and forth sort of thing, but no, all all wild turkey all the time. Yeah, I mean wild turkey is definitely the the darker. Um, sweeter forward flavored mm-hmm. uh bourbon but it also does have the the, the spice and the kind of like the the cinnamon the nutmeg the kind of the, the the kind of deeper spices in them yep. um yeah there the, are you know nobody will tell you for sure but uh as he said people that talk to people that's generally known to be a six seven and eight year old bourbon um mm-hmm. you know that it together and into to the release and then water down a little bit for that 50 50.4 50.5 percent uh proof level yes. um so very uh you know and it is a little more rye forward but not not a yep. ton more um but all that really combines to to a really great whiskey at a really yeah. great price point uh, you really can't sure. go wrong there um even though Heaven Hill Ball and Bond um, has a lot going for it, it must have been a, a tough side by side. Just because I, I do think, yeah, really Turkey is yeah. such a darker uh, one, whereas Heaven Hill is a little more on the delicate side. Um, neither are delicate whiskeys. Let's face it. Um, we're, we're talking right, yeah. to whiskey drinkers that drink whiskey regularly, and we're like, oh, this is so delicate. No, no, it's not delicate. It's fifty percent alcohol. Right, exactly. There's nothing delicate about this drink. <laughs> um, but by comparison to Ball and Bond, it's uh, to the one to one rather. It's 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 got a little bit more delicate flavors uh, on a on right. a side by side yeah it was but man i tell you what this was such a fun um bracket because every single time was there was either one that that i was excited to see win or one that i didn't know how it was going to turn out and ordinarily you go through this and and you know you kind of have an idea what's going to win here and there we we had one like last year we had our first upset i mean if that tells you anything there's that it, it, I, I'm 
my seating rules work pretty well for the most part. Right. Um, and but like last year we had we had a, a uh, an upset, and part of that was just because the uh, the the product itself had gone downhill over mm-hmm. the year when it lost its age statement. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it's always exciting to see those types of things. And this time was really fun because almost all of them are ones that I'm going to be. A lot of times at the end of the at the end of the contest, I look over at the shelf and go, "I still have one and a half liters of that." <laughs> what on earth am I going to do with one and a half liters of that? And and there was very few of them this year. Uh, the cabin's still in the in the Kentucky Tavern. I'm definitely not going to reach for them, but I can find uses for them if nothing else. Um, so that's not that's not as big of a deal. I mean, the Kentucky Tavern and the cabin still are going to be great if I want to be doing some cooking. Yeah. Uh, Robin loves to have when she, when she makes chili, her recipe has bourbon in it, and ordinarily it's Old Granddad One Fourteen because she, we 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 found that those those kind of dry grain flavors um, tend to work with it. Yeah. Well, yeah. both of these have grain flavors, so here you go, dear. Let's let's make some chili <laughs> with it. You know. Uh, it's not necessarily something that I'm going to to sit down and sip, but I'll find uses for it. Unlike previous years, where some of those previous losers are still around because I now use them if I'm taking a photo on the blog and I happen to have emptied the the bottle already, so it becomes prop whiskey. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> no, that's very cool. That is very very cool. I think the uh, it's such a fun experiment. I, I do, you know, people should do this more at home, uh, kind of the blind tastings and, uh, oh, yeah. and, and challenge your favorites. Um, and sometimes they may continue to be your favorites. Um, sometimes you may find something in what you didn't think was your favorite, something interesting in there that you didn't, you didn't taste previously. Um, yep. you know, I mean, I think, you, you know, doing so many blind tastings as I do, it's, it's the one thing I've learned is, uh, you just, you just never know what you'll, uh, what you'll figure, what you'll find in a, in a drink that you're like disregarded previously or, or vice versa. Exactly. Maybe you love a drink and right. you're like, Oh boy. Um, but I don't think that was going to be the case here just cause you, you know, heaven hill ball on the bond, you know, wild Turkey one yeah. these are whiskeys, you know, through and through. So you're, you know, you've, yep, you've exactly. examined them closely. Uh, but then there were some few yep. surprises in there. That's, that's awesome, man. Really, exactly. really great. Um, any other favorites in this price category and kind of the lower tier, price point uh whiskeys that were maybe a little too expensive uh for this we've mentioned maker's mark white label well right. white label, yep. re- maker's mark regular uh any other whiskeys right. yeah. uh to mention uh in this uh, in a more affordable tier that you've been enjoying of late oh goodness gracious um let's see um lately it's, it's weird because lately I've, I've been having a lot of uh um ones that that are priced a little higher but if i were to to go out looking for ones that that are just everyday um bourbons i had a absolutely delicious store pick of of a buffalo trace um recently and from what i gather they've kind of pulled the brakes on that but it does remind me that buffalo trace if you find it on the shelf is a fantastic whiskey for a very good price yeah um now now in some markets people are are starting to to i don't want to accuse anyone of greed but they're starting to get a little greedy, so I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Um, and and you know, prices are going going higher. People are starting to hoard it. Yeah, no, uh, Buffalo Trace you know, uh, straight bourbon yeah. is uh, is uh, it's, it's a good bourbon. It's a high demand product in uh, in this market here. Yeah. It's forty three bucks. I've I've seen it in the U S. for up to fifty dollars. It's uh, mm-hmm. um, it, it's definitely not freely yeah, I, available. I, I, I paid a lot less than that for a for a private pick um, for a liter of it. Um, and so and by private pick, you up. mean that the store went to Buffalo Trace Distillery and picked a barrel. They picked a barrel. And yep. that's what they bought as, as Buffalo Trace. So it's a, it's a store. So it's uh, essentially, a, 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 essentially a store single barrel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. Uh, yeah. Of the product. Um, and, and, and once again, these, when, I, when I go home to – it's amazing how different markets are because when I go home to, to, my, to visit my family in Wisconsin, I can pick up a, a bottle of Eagle Rare for 25 bucks. Eagle Rare is a fantastic <laughs> bourbon for $25. <laughs> That's you know, amazing. I, it's $10 more even here as, as, I, as I cross a state border um, to where I, I currently live in Minnesota. So, I mean, it, it definitely is – depends on where you go. But when I travel, I definitely keep an eye out for stuff like that. Like, okay, this one is expensive at home, but it's $20 cheaper here for, for some unknown reason. I'm bringing that home with me. You know, yeah. In this case, like the Eagle Rare at, at $25 as opposed to $35. Wow. Um, you know, so, and even that, I mean, it's, it's one here in the Twin Cities that you cannot find. It's not available. But I, I go, you know, to a, a, I think it's a town of probably, you know, 
20 to 30,000 people and it's just sitting there on the shelf at the grocery store. But yeah, so I mean, those are a couple of good ones that, that, I, that I would recommend if you, can, if you can find it, obviously, that there's always that caveat. Yeah. Um, I, I've also found some that, you know, they're, in this market, it's, it's a little unique because Minnesota has a law that doesn't allow, like, store branded um, exclusives. Right, like, private right. picks are one thing, but, but you, can't have, you can't have, like, the private label um, thing. Like 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 a Costco would have or right um, okay yeah or something like that where they would have the, the Kirklands although for some reason nobody's buying that one they do have access to it but when Total Wine came in they did have um, certain private label um, the exclusives that that they bought from you know Buffalo Trace or what have you mm-hmm. and they uh, all of the, the the liquor stores in the area one of the ways that they're competing with this behemoth is to take the ones that were private labels that total wine is marking up and undercutting their price um, <laughs> and selling it for just a regular markup. And and so I, I, I go to stores and I'll find like like what's called a buckhorn. Uh, buckhorn is a Buffalo Trace product that I got a 1.75 liter for $25. <laughs> so it's Buffalo Trace. It tastes really good. You know, yeah. um, I, I, I've, there's another one. It's also produced by Buffalo Trace. Um, also in the same sort of thing. It's called Two Stars. Um, now that one, I would definitely say that the that the name is is appropriate. It's definitely not a three or four star bourbon, but you know it's a solid two. It's yeah. not a one. Yeah. Um, and and it it's it's pretty good as well. It's still Buffalo Trace. It's I mean it comes in a bottle that looks exactly like a Weller bottle. Uh, you know it's it's to that point or or a very old Barton bottle. Um, it's it's very obvious where it comes from. They've they've I've talked to them and and they've confirmed that that's that's one of theirs and. Uh, you know, so so stuff like that. You can you can find Buffalo Trace even if you can't find Buffalo Trace. Sometimes um, is another thing to to kind of look at. Right, right. Yeah. So those are some of the ones that that, that I've been kind of kind of kind of tasting when I'm not, you know, as you said, as you looked at my list, I have a lot of Jim Beam in the house right now. Um, <laughs> because but, right, there's there's not only the seven that that I'm doing for this upcoming article, but I also happen to to find an amazing sale at a local. Um, local store that had a uh, all that had six of their their harvest i think what was it their their harvest signature harvest or harvest collection the, the, like the, the half bottles they put out of like triticale bourbon or right. um, rice bourbon they had all six of them together for like a hundred bucks and normally it's three hundred dollars for the for for them if you're going to get the uh, get all of them to you know at regular retail price so i was like oh god i can't pass that up either so so I'm going to be drinking Jim Beam for a long time here now, it seems like, or at least stuff made by them. And, uh, <laughs> right. You'll, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. This will be fine. You'll, uh, I'll you'll, be fine. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. You're going to be uh, – the nutty flavor uh, is, is done. You're, you're happy with it. That's amazing. I'm going to be happy. Exactly. I, I'm, I'm, definitely, I'm definitely glad that, that this is a, a – uh, it's, it's a good development, let's put it that way, that I've, that I've decided that that nutty flavor is, 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 is not something to, be, to shy away from. Because otherwise, I'd have a lot of bourbon on hand that I didn't know what to do with. <laughs> Always good to have friends and invite them over. Um, Eric, mm-hmm. thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, you can find Eric Burke on bourbonguy.com and uh, as well on Twitter at uh, Eric, I believe, A-R-O-K. A-R-O-K. Um, and you can find me at Mark Bylock, M-A-R-K-B-Y-L-O-K. And of course, Jamie Johnson has a bourbon thing. Um, do not forget, I am doing the contest where if you hashtag uh, the whiskey cabinet uh, after my book uh, with a photo of my book, you can pick a topic for 20 minutes. Uh, well, Jamie and I will talk about whatever you want, essentially. So uh, use the hashtag on Instagram or on Twitter, and we're going to pick a winner. Uh, just do it now because, you know, this this contest is ending soon. Um, but you basically, as you know, Jamie is uh, – um, is is going for very particular topics. Uh, we'll, we'll see where we go. We'll see where we go. But we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. Um, Eric, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We uh, happy we'll come to be back. Here. Uh, third time, third time's a charm. We'll uh, have you back again. Cheers, man. All right. Cheers. Please.